Welcome to the Happy Saver podcast. I'm Ruth, a blogger on personal finance right here in New Zealand. And because New Zealand is a really small place, it is seriously more like a village. And the people I seek out are often uncomfortable having their story told in public. You will hear their stories from me and not directly from them so that they can retain their privacy. Plus, I do have a tendency to waffle, so by doing it this way, you get a better level of detail. And I just chat to people, I tease the information out of them, and I condense it down so that you can hear helpful, relatable stories from Kiwis who are giving their experiences, their tips, and their point of view on personal finance in New Zealand. So with that being said, on this week's episode, I will be sharing the money journey of Ella. There were many points during Ella's 40 plus years that her gut instinct told her to make a few changes to the way her family handled money. Many of us can relate to this. 2020 has been a huge time of change with her reassessing her current financial situation and making some radical changes that will have a huge positive impact on the years ahead. These changes all stemmed from her wanting to be able to financially help her kids And once she worked out that she needed to be in a strong financial position herself in order to do this, well, the rest is rapidly falling into place. But before I tell you all about Ella, I just have a quick message from today's sponsor. I'm excited to have Hatch supporting today's episode because they make investing in the world's most recognisable companies and funds easy and affordable. Hatch is Kiwi Wealth's investing platform and as part of the Kiwi Group family, they are 100% Kiwi owned and are committed to helping Kiwis grow their wealth long-term. Whether you're new to investing or an experienced Wolf of Wall Street, you can be a shareholder in the brands you know and love and back the companies you grew up with, like Microsoft and Apple. Or back a green future with groundbreaking brands like Tesla and Beyond Meat. The team behind Hatch is dedicated to helping Kiwis learn that they can get their money working harder. So if you're ready to take your first step, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. This week's money journey is from Ella. It's not her real name, but it's a lovely name that I've chosen for her. All the Ellas I know are nice, and this one is no exception. I first heard from Ella back in August 2019, when she emailed me with a couple of queries. She was trying to decide how she could financially help her two children as her oldest is nearing the end of school and will be transitioning into some form of tertiary education within the next couple of years. From there, many emails and links to some helpful resources went back and forth between us about investing for your kids, teaching them good money management, and also how she could track down the balance of a random smart years ETF investment that she had made a few years ago. And it sounded like she had her own financial journey pretty well sorted. But in the course of our chat, other snippets of information came up. Now in their late 40s and early 50s, there was her husband's student loan debt that was still being paid off, a mortgage that had about three more years to run, their KiwiSaver schemes were ticking along very slowly, but they were not overly happy with the fund, and somewhere in the mix there was a term deposit, and that unknown Smart Years ETF fund of course. There were no other savings and they had a relatively tight weekly budget to cover the things that they liked to do. And although she said they have a small house and a simple lifestyle, spending on family adventures kind of won out versus debt repayment and saving and planning for the future. So with a bit of a background already in my inbox, I was really keen to chat to Ella by phone for the first time. And the beauty of my blog is that I strike up conversations pretty quickly. So from the first hello 
we were into it. Dunedin based and in her late 40s, she works in the education sector and her husband works a couple of jobs in events as a production manager and also in landscaping. While he grew up in the lower South Island, Ella, on the other hand, did not. And when we spoke, she had one of those accents that you can't really pin down to anywhere. That's mostly because she is kind of from everywhere. With a European mum and a South African dad, she was born in the US. She's got two sisters and has lived in England, Scotland, Netherlands and Australia, to name just a few places. They travelled around the world following their parents and their careers and lived the life of the expat community wherever they went surrounding themselves by people with similar lifestyles. Looking back, she thinks they were quite affluent, but her parents were really frugal, and they lived very comfortably, and Ella does not remember ever consciously thinking about money, or remember ever really needing it either. Her dad in particular instilled the habit of saving in her, but apart from that, money was never discussed. It was decided that she would go to university in England, to study nutrition and her parents just paid for it all and supported her and she didn't ever really think about that or what it might cost and in hindsight she feels like she was very naive, something I think that most of us probably are at that age. When she graduated she went to job interviews in the UK but she remembers thinking, oh my god, I don't want a job, I just want to be free. She had an overwhelming urge to carry on travelling around the world as she had been doing her whole life and she just wanted freedom to travel, to live a minimalist lifestyle and experience the world. She felt that she was not really from anywhere and she had no sense of home, so she just bounced around the world. She said that she didn't have any sense of what her future would look like, and maybe this was because she had no sense of place and probably felt a bit lost. There was no sense to buy a house, nor any reason to save or think ahead. Genuinely, it just didn't cross her mind, so she travelled the world instead. Her dad always told her to save 10% of everything she earned and she has always been frugal and just didn't need for much. So she just bounced around, worked on farms, did some courses, worked with youth, ran leadership courses, picked fruit, worked in whole food stores and from what I could work out, basically had a great old time with no career aspirations. Now I have to say that Ella is the reason that I still pick up hitchhikers today. These people who wander the world have so many interesting stories to tell and I love giving them a ride to their next destination and getting just a little peek into their world while I drive. After a few years she ended up in New Zealand to visit one of her sisters who had moved here for a time. She still hadn't done her dash travelling and was still really free and easy and living the simple life, moving throughout New Zealand, backpacking around and picking up work when she needed to. In 2001 she got what she called her first real job working with a youth organisation in Dunedin, and it was here that she met her future husband. She described him as a bit of a rebel, who was into his music and studying at art school, working towards his diploma. But still with an insatiable urge to travel, they went to South Korea for a year to teach English, and she said it was a real boom time to teach English over there, and they worked a lot and travelled a lot, saving about $15,000 over the course of that year. This was to become their house deposit when they returned to New Zealand in late 2003, and soon after returning home in early 2004, they had their first baby. They purchased the home that they still live in today for $140,000, using a $125,000 loan from her parents. The loan was formally created using a lawyer, and they set about making weekly loan repayments, something they continue to do today. Her husband went back to art school to complete a degree this time, 
and she said that those first few years back in New Zealand, they were pretty poor, with him as a student and Ella with a young baby. She called on the frugality that she grew up with and learned to budget and live with what they had coming in. But she said that at the time she was thinking, man, we have to do something differently here. She remembers reading a few books and trying to work out how to get rich. And this was to be the first time in her life during these lean years that she ever really thought about money in a serious way. At times, when things were particularly tight, they actually stopped making mortgage payments to her parents, something her parents were absolutely okay with because she said her parents had the view that you kind of have a mortgage for life, so they were in no rush for them to pay it back. And she thinks her dad was of the view that you keep your mortgage payments low and invest your money instead. But Ella never quite got to that investing part. She said that her dad never talked about money, but she thinks he must be pretty savvy. She remembers that she did ask him, how do we make money once? And he said, you invest it and manage funds. But she said, unfortunately, she felt too stupid to ask any more. She felt that by this age, she should know this stuff. And to this day, the conversation has still never quite come up. In part, she said, perhaps because when she came out of uni and never got a proper job, he used to drop hints about her doing as such, but she got sick of hearing about it and shut the conversation down. That is probably something that many of us, either 20-somethings or parents of 20-somethings, can relate to, right? My thoughts on hearing this as now a parent myself were, don't give up, just find a new angle. When their daughter was two, they got itchy feet again. They rented out their house and went to Japan for a couple of years, and she remembers around this time reading that back home in New Zealand, KiwiSaver had started up, and that led her to again start reading more about investing and index funds and wondering how she could begin to do that. She had in her mind that they would like to save up for their daughter so that when she left home, she had money available to her as a good head start in life. But still, she said, even though these thoughts were starting to brew in her head, she was still not very savvy at all. They returned to New Zealand in late 08 and welcomed their second daughter. But like last time, because they had been out of the country, there was once again no paid parental leave available to her and her husband pretty quickly went and got a job to try to bring some money in. And once again, she started thinking, bugger this, we need to get ourselves sorted and get some more money coming in. So when her daughter was one, she got some casual work doing some English teaching and some adult literacy work. And that led to what she referred to as a proper job in 2010. And although her work has evolved, that is where she remains today. Working full time while her husband does the same and they both raise their girls. As you would expect, it's a pretty busy life. A few years back, they also extended their mortgage with the bank of mum and dad by another $80,000 to $100,000 in order to increase the size of their small home, and they've been working on this debt ever since. And even though they are quite literally repaying the bank of mum and dad, as interest rates have dropped, her parents have also lowered the interest rate for Ella, which is good, and they are currently paying $400 a week off their mortgage. She has, she said, always been good at budgeting and has never borrowed for anything apart from a mortgage, but she said there were certainly moments over the years where they were scrambling to pay their bills, and in 2017 she started getting pretty sick of this because she felt like they were never getting any traction. Despite this, she kept thinking about investing and over this time had been saving for the kids. She found out about smart shares and thought, why don't we give this a go, and as their income slowly increased, they did start to invest into an ETF. Due to the nature of his work, her husband's income varies month to month, while hers is steady. 
Of course, because he is self-employed, there is no sick pay or holiday pay and also no employer KiwiSaver contribution. So they voluntarily contribute just $40 a week to his scheme. Her employer contributes the minimum 3% to her KiwiSaver, plus she gets holiday and sick pay too. Today, in 2020, they take home a combined after-tax income of about $1,500 a week, which is about $78,000 a year. Whatever their income level, Ella has always had sinking funds where she saves up for things like their daughter needing braces, and for at least the past 10 years, she has always kept her own budget using an Excel spreadsheet, which she tweaks over the years to suit whatever they have going on. And it was to be this first foray into investment, that smart shares fund that I mentioned, that would lead her to email me, when she let me know that for a period of time a few years back, they had been putting money, a total of about $7,000, into this fund with no idea of what they were doing, and no way of even checking their investment. She didn't even know their login details to check their balance, and she said she felt too stupid to ring them and say, hey look, we put seven grand into a fund, and I don't know where it is or what to do. Can you help? And for the record, if this is you, just pick up the phone and ring, and they will help you out, okay? Her question to me was along the lines of, are they even a legitimate company, or are they going to disappear in a cloud of everyone's money? So I pointed her in the right direction and pretty soon she had tracked down that $7,000 only to be pleasantly surprised that it had grown to $12,000. So it was the mystery smart she's fund and the desire to give her kids a foot up that made our paths cross and from there onwards she revealed more of her financial situation and for the first time she did a real deep dive into money and investing prompting her patient husband (laughs) to ask What the heck has happened to you as she became a walking textbook for better money management? She said of their relationship with money, it is clearly she who is interested in the finances, and I've found that is often the case. He is on board and supportive, and their values both align, and he is happy to go along with whatever she feels is appropriate. He does not enjoy it that much, she said, but they do make time to meet and talk about money regularly. And that sounds absolutely fine to me. You don't both need to be geeking out on spreadsheets as long as one of you pays attention and lets the other know so that you both understand what is happening with your money and be in agreement. The whole premise of our emails was so she could work out how to help her kids get through study, learn about money and they could plan the years ahead. Almost as an aside, she mentioned her own financial situation. There was her husband's lingering $37,000 student loan or his bloody student loan as she called it. She said he hates it, so has ignored it, and because he is self-employed, he was barely paying it off, and it had quite literally been sitting there for the past 20 years. There was their mortgage as well, still with a number of years to run on it. She said they always had a vague idea of paying it off one day before making a start on that student loan. They both had Kiwi Savers, but weren't particularly happy with the fund. There was that Smart She's fund with the $12,000 balance, of course and they had $17,000 in an ANZ fund, with the intention of this and the Smart Shares 12 grand being used for their kids. They had a term deposit too, but apart from these things, there was nothing else, and they were on a tight weekly budget to cover their expenses and save up for the fun things that they wanted to do. After hearing about their situation, I sent an email back, and unbeknown to me, my reply triggered a whole heap of change, and she said that my return email gave her a sharp reality check. And it really turned her around because it made a lot of sense. She said they had a fantasy that they would help their kids, but really, as a couple, 
they were not in the best financial position themselves to be able to do this. And this is an edited version of what I said to her. I said, how can you set a great example for your children if you have not walked the talk yourselves? I know that student debt is interest-free, but it is still debt. And once your mortgage is gone, how long will it then take you to pay back that student debt? Or are you considering, like some of my old uni friends are, of never being in a hurry to pay it back, just letting it be siphoned out of your salary for the rest of your working lives? How about this instead? Personally, I could not help my own daughter get ahead if I was not getting ahead for myself. For my own daughter, we are only able to save and invest for her because we have our own financial house in order. I do understand the sentiment of enjoying a good life today, but today can come at the expense of tomorrow. With that money in the Mystery Smart Shares Fund, what about putting that straight on your own debt? All of it. How many months or years would that take off your mortgage? And then get after the rest of that mortgage. As soon as that is gone, then turn that money to your student loan and get rid of that as soon as possible. You could be completely debt-free in what, four years? And what about your eldest daughter who is poised for study? Perhaps it's a case of explaining to her your own situation. And I think that hearing that your student loans are still hanging around 20 years after completing study, it might be a real lesson to her. So instead of saying, here is $15,000 for uni, instead say, Dad and I want to support you through your study and it's really important to us that you do this debt-free or with minimal debt. So once your own mortgage and student debt are gone, Ella, both you and your husband will receive a large pay rise because you are no longer sending a chunk of your income to a bank or a student loan each week. You can then easily help your children if that is what you want to do. You sound like you have so much sorted with a small house and a simple lifestyle, and if you can just get rid of this debt, get it behind you, then it's going to be plain sailing from there. I can just see an amazing opportunity to work you and your husband closer to debt-free status while still being able to support both of your kids. Does that make any sense to you, Ella? So receiving this email apparently gave her a short, sharp reality check, and it really turned her around because it made a lot of sense. She wanted to support her kids, but they were not quite financially sorted themselves. She had always had that vague idea about money and their future, a vague idea of paying the mortgage off one day, then the student loan, but this prompted them into action, big time. In late 2019, they took $20,000 from the money they were setting aside for their children and they slapped it on the mortgage. And from there, they just made a plan to actively pay off the remainder of their mortgage. Not a vague idea, but an actual plan. And from there, they just got on with it and aggressively got after it. During the COVID-19 nationwide lockdown, which was in March, April 2020, they actually ended up saving quite a bit and her husband was able to receive the government wage subsidy because his work had completely stopped. She had the presence of mind to not increase the weekly payment to their mortgage and potentially leave themselves short in these uncertain times, but to accrue any spare money instead. It was also during this lockdown that they reflected on how dependent they were on their jobs and the income they brought in, and that spurred them on to work to become financially independent as soon as they could. Previous thoughts of saving for a trip to Australia were now gone, and instead, and this is the best bit, on October 23rd, 2020, so just a few short months away from when I recorded this, they will make their full and final mortgage payment. It has taken them 17 years to pay back about $225,000, but they will finally be mortgage-free and own their own home outright. 
So that is a massive turnaround from their vague notion of becoming debt-free one day, and she blew my prediction of them being mortgage-free in about four years, which would have been a stretch goal, out of the water. What you pay attention to gets done. They have changed their KiwiSavers to a new provider with a combined total of about $110,000. They are now with Simplicity and a growth fund. They now have about $10,000 spread across three SmartShares funds, the US 500, the New Zealand Top 50 and the New Zealand Property Fund, and they contribute a total of $150 a month into these. They have a $15,000 emergency fund set aside in a bank account, poised to fight any financial fire that they might face and they continue to save into sinking funds for upcoming expenses. The next target will be that stupid student loan of $37,000, she said. He would be happy to not put any extra money towards it and let it die with him one day, which is a pretty extraordinary way to think about your student debt, but she sees that it will restrict them from travelling overseas for extended periods in the years ahead. If you stay out of the country long enough, you will accrue interest again, and she does not want that. When the mortgage is gone, they now have an additional $400 a week to play with, plus with careful budgeting, she said that they can manage to find approximately another $200, so a total of $600 a week ready to dispense to a few different places. And her plan is still taking shape as they try to work out what direction to take. They want to focus on the student loan, but they also want to focus on building up investments for their later years. Being in their late 40s and early 50s, This is only 15 years away now. They are trying to find the balance between living in the now, something this free-spirited woman has always done, and thinking about saving for the future. Therefore, from October 23rd, their former mortgage payment will be spread across the student loan debt, putting extra into their KiwiSaver, investing for their children and refilling the bucket they emptied, and also investing into funds outside of their KiwiSavers. Their oldest child still has a further year to go at school, but she now has a part-time job of her own and is starting to pay for a lot of her own stuff now. Plus, her parents still help her out a little with $17 of pocket money each week. Ella has set her up with a Super Life My Future Fund where they contribute just $10 each week. And since our chat, they have enrolled her in her own KiwiSaver fund so that they can tick that off their to-do list. As for conversations with her kids about money, Well, it is possibly as you would expect. Ella's parents never talked to her about money and that lack of chat has also trickled down another generation. From what I could gather, that is changing now, but with a teenager in the house now, well, let's just say that they don't always want to hear what their parents have to say. As for their younger daughter though, who was 12, she gets $7 a week pocket money and it might be time to start having daily snippets of money chat thrown into the conversation around money in earshot of the teenager, if at all possible. Learning about money is not a one-and-done conversation. It's hundreds of snippets of wisdom dispensed over a lifetime. And as for the travel bug, it still remains, and over the years, because her family is spread around the world, they have family get-togethers somewhere in the world every couple of years, which her parents generously help out with the cost of, and Ellen knows that they will always have travel on their radar. Hearing about the frugality of her parents, her dad records every cent they spend, yet the generosity of her parents, it made me reflect on the lessons that are handed down to each generation. Ella is frugal, her parents taught her that, and Ella is also trying to be generous to her children, something her parents have been to her throughout her life. If only other money conversations had been had as she had been growing up, I've no doubt that she would have put them into practice too, 
and would now be teaching her kids the same. But better late than never, now might be the chance to talk more to her parents about how they have actually grown their wealth over the years so that they can be helpful and generous and she could use this wisdom in her own investing journey. And as for Ella's vague idea of retirement one day, well, it's starting to have a few numbers around it now, with her thinking that they want to get another $200,000 or so tucked away into investments. They'll keep paying into their KiwiSavers, and that should see them with hundreds of thousands of dollars invested, plus owning their own home, of course. And there is the possibility of an inheritance one day, which is never a certainty, of course. But if it does occur, then this money will be very well handled well invested and over time enjoyed and well used. In the ideal world she would like to step back from full-time work in about another five years and drop her hours but they will just take it year by year as they want to get their girls off on their own journeys first before making changes to theirs. These days they spend about $160 a week on food and keep this amount pretty low due to the fact that they have their own chickens, a good vegetable garden at home, plus with a few of them being vegetarian they eat little or no meat. Both Ella and her husband give themselves an allowance of $60 a week to spend on whatever they like, and this includes alcohol which is not bought as part of the main shop. Also, it's only been in the last 12 months that they have become a two-car family, getting by with just one car up until that point, and that's a huge saving, running only one vehicle for all those years. Ella does have a credit card, but only to buy things online, and as soon as she makes a purchase, she then pays it off straight away. For the record, you don't have to have a credit card to buy online. A debit card does exactly the same thing, but it uses your own money instead. Her husband has his own card, which he handles himself, and she has nothing to do with it. As long as what he does never affects their personal money, she does not care, but she did point out that he can get a little sloppy in its use, and she persuades him to be careful, also known as telling him off, she said, uh, with a laugh, I should point out. And does she have someone in her life who she can openly talk about money with now? Her husband is definitely the main person she can talk to, but with some friends she has started to talk a little about personal finance in an effort to learn more, but she said it is fascinating how many people just shut the conversation down. She has found the Kiwi Mustachian page on Facebook useful for some open and honest conversations though. And how about if I gave her $10,000 right now, what would she do with it? It would all go straight onto the mortgage, no hesitation. And as for insurance, what do they have? She is unable to get income protection insurance due to a past medical event, but she said they were happy for her to die though, (laughs) so she has life insurance. He has trauma cover and a little bit of life insurance too, and they have the usual household insurances like house, contents and car, etc. And like most people who keep a budget, they have some good financial habits, things that they just automatically do, and for Ella it is to keep a regular eye on their bank accounts. She likes to keep her balance floating around $1,000 and does not like it to drop below. And if it goes too far above it, due to her husband having a good month at work, for example, well, that money is skimmed off into savings. She also has automatic payments for all of her bills, and anything on her credit card is paid off straight away. So what is her money elevator pitch, I asked, a sentence that would sum up her approach to money. She said, mindful spending and resourcefulness. As a family, they are anti-consumerism, and they have a small home that they don't fill up with crap. Her husband is very skilled and handy and he makes by hand a lot of the things they need, reducing the need to spend. So what does Ella consider to be her biggest financial triumph? Always living within her means, whatever they may have been, and not being a spender. She also said that getting a few insights from me right at the time when she was willing and able to act 
was a turning point. So what does she consider her greatest financial flop? If she had known at the time she bought that house that she could have smashed the mortgage, she would be in a completely different position today. She could of course have gotten a job straight out of university and over the years when she took an active interest in becoming more financially savvy, she could have taken action sooner too, but she didn't. But everything she did throughout those years was probably meant to happen. And to me, that carefree lifestyle of travel and discovery sounded like she was doing exactly what the universe intended her to do. For people listening to this, particularly to those in their teens or early 20s, I asked her what advice she would give them. She said that they live in a part of town that has evolved over the last 20 years, and it's now quite a nice part of town, yet they are frugal and live in a very small home by local standards, and it would be easy to compare themselves to their apparently rich neighbours. She advises to let go of the idea that they might be considered the poor cousins and that they are not doing as well as other people and to tread your own path because others might not be what they seem. Think and be grateful for what you have and where they may not have huge financial wealth, their lives are still incredibly rich. And as for a book, a podcast or a blog that she might recommend, well, you can put your pen away right now as she has no suggestions. As her husband can attest, in late 2019, she went through a spell of intense learning and immersed herself in whatever she could find, but she has taken from it what she needed to and has moved on, no longer needing to rely on any of those resources. She has all the knowledge she needs, and she just has to put it into practice, which she obviously is doing. At the moment, she is focusing on one thing at a time, and currently that's the mortgage. Keep it simple would be her advice to you and I. Now before I wrap up, I have another quick message from today's sponsor. Thanks again to Hatch for supporting today's episode. Whether you're new to investing or an experienced Wolf of Wall Street, you can be a shareholder in the brands you know and love. So if you're ready to take your first step, head to hatch.as forward slash the happy saver. Well, thanks Ella for agreeing to chat to me. When I approach people, they generally think they have nothing worth sharing and I'm pleased to always prove them wrong. Once again, I have been wowed by the progress people can make in a short space of time. Ella is so well-traveled and has led such an interesting life full of rich experiences and time with family. Over the years, her gut instincts have told her to look for a better way of dealing with money, but for whatever reason, the status quo remained each time. That was until late 2019 when a few frank emails back and forth between her and I came up against her. I've had enough moments and she finally took action. The right moment in time is different for everyone, but when it strikes, the change is usually pretty instantaneous, I find. On the 23rd of October, when they make their final mortgage payment, I will certainly be cheering for her family. A massive, massive achievement and a stepping stone on the way to financial independence. It's inspiring stuff indeed. So that's all from me this week. I'll be back next Wednesday with another money journey of another Kiwi. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit subscribe and it will automatically update in your podcast app each time I release a new episode. And if you want to get in touch, you can find me at thehappysaver.com. And if you feel the urge, leave a review and share this podcast with your friends and whanau. Those are the best ways that people can learn about my podcast. And I would love it if you would talk more about money with your own friends and Fano and help me continue to help others be better with money. So until next time, happy saving. <laughs>